what's going to cause us to not walk out in the things of the flesh and be led by the flesh, but to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? We'll, we'll get to that in a moment here. Alright. And truth be told, we have to understand, we can't really love the way God calls us to love without being filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? Yeah. We, we, we can't because what happens is, you know, we've been in churches and we may have been that way ourselves where somebody does something to us, we get offended very easily, you know, or we see somebody act a certain way and we don't love them the way we should love them, right? And we should love them really unconditionally, Amen. right? We're more forgiving towards our family members than we are our own brothers and sisters in Christ, right? So, and, and we've seen churches where those that may not be filled because they don't understand being filled with the Holy Spirit that now they're being led by their flesh, Right, so let's look, go back up. We're going to stay in this chapter here, but go back up to verse 13. And I'm going to read it actually from the Amplified. For you, my brothers, were called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom become an opportunity for the sinful nature, worldliness, selfishness. But through love, serve and seek the best for one another. We need to serve and seek the best for one another. Not our own desires and our own needs and our own wants. And sometimes we can get caught up in that. But that's why it's important for us to stay in the Spirit. Verse 14. For the whole law concerning the human relationships is fulfilled in one precept. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, you shall have an unselfish concern for others and do things for their benefit. That's love. That's love. When we do, when we have an unselfishness, really... The opposite of love is unselfishness. Well, it's selfishness, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, the opposite of love is selfishness, right? Because we, we've grown up and we've been taught that it's been hate, but it's not hate. Because y'all heard me say it a, a while back that God who is love, he hates sin. So the opposite of love is not hate, but it is selfishness. Verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another in bickering and strife, watch out that you, along with your entire fellowship, are not consumed by one another. And that can happen if we're operating by the flesh. If we feel ourselves getting irritable, it might be time to take a time out <laughs> and get in his presence, right? <laughs> and in verse 16 again, But I say, walk habitually, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit, seek him, and be responsive to his guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. So this is a continuous walk, like I said. We have to habitually walk in the Spirit and be filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, so I'm going to go back to the uh, New King James Version here. And uh, we're going to jump down to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And now I'm going to go back to the Amplified. I'm going to read it for the Amplified. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, 
Not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature together with his passions and appetites. So let's stop right there real quick in our five but Crucify. Remember when I talked about crucifying the flesh and driving that stake with the hammer and keeping it down. That's what we have to do. So that word passions actually means influence. So if we're not filled with the spirit, we become in danger of being influenced by our flesh and our fleshly desires. And the more we're influenced by fleshy desires, well, guess what? We, we start to feed, what is it? What is that video? Pac-Man, right? Pac-Man, <laughs> chopping up all day. That's what our flesh can become, right? Because that's why it's important for us to stay submitted to the Holy Spirit, be filled with Him. Because now, if we're not, now, again, we're going to be led by flesh instead of the Spirit. All right, so verse 25 says this. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. So, that word walk is different from the word walk in uh, verse 16. It means to, to march, to proceed in order, to direct one's life. See, so if we're filled, guess what? We're going to live according to the way God wants us to live. We're going to do what God wants us to do. Right? So, marching. So, in the military, you learn to march. Right? So, you learn left, right, left, right, learn... About face, right face, left. Why? Because you're taking orders. It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. We should be taking orders. As He leads us, we should be listening. We should be following. If He says left, if He says right face, we can turn right. Right? We don't contend with Him, we, but we stay obedient to Him. Amen. Right? And again, we have to spend time with Him, we have to stay in His presence. Right? So now, just like with anything, so now, it may be difficult for a new believer or immature believer to follow these things, to follow his orders. Right? So I remember even in boot camp, long time ago, right? So I got selected to be a part of the drill team, you know, and then when we got there, we learned some advanced things, advanced movements and things like that as far as marching because we were going to be the ones to lead out for graduation for all the companies. So well, when we first started, we were messed up, but we had to practice, right? You know, we got yelled at quite a bit because we weren't unified. We weren't used to working together and things like that. But as we began to practice more and more each and every day, guess what? We were sharp. We were on point. And that's how it is. As we spend time with Him every day, we spend time in the Word every day, we spend time in prayer, worshiping every day. Now we become sharper, right? So now... When he says stop, we're still not going to keep going because we're going to know his voice. Amen. All right. Uh, verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. All right. So my wife talked about on Wednesday, uh, vainglory. So that's what that word conceited actually means, desirous vainglory. All right. So it means excessive pride in oneself or one's achievements, excessive vanity. So, I mean, no, there's a difference between um, confidence and arrogance, right? There, there's a difference in that. So, I've got some things down here. So, confidence is being convinced of your strengths, but fully aware of your weaknesses. Arrogance is the need to convince yourself and others that you're good at what you do. 
Confident people typically gain, gain it from their background and, and expertise. Arrogant individuals usually have little experience and strengths, or they may choose to only view the few strengths they have rather than focus on any improvement. So that stuck out to me when I first read that, that confident people, again, through your experience, through time, as you mature, as you spend time, as you grow in the Lord, the things that he does for us, right? So some people keep a track record of the testimonies, the things that God has done for them, right? So now when they find themselves in a position, guess what? They can remain steadfast because they know God has delivered them before. Right, so now I don't know if you you heard people say this where this could be somebody this could be somebody that's that's arrogant coming from the pulpit. I've been around real men and women of God, and I've seen things like that. It's it's that should be a caution flag to us, okay? That should be a caution flag to us. One, especially when you have somebody in the pulpit, or it's a, just a Christian in general that's always giving somebody else's testimonies, but never have testimonies of themselves. See. If we've been saved, we've been walking. See, I can reflect back even to my first few months from when I got saved, the things that God did in my life, right? Not counting all the stuff that he's done over the years in my life. So is it wrong to share other people's testimony or something? No, it's not. But if that's all you're doing is sharing somebody else's testimony, something's wrong, right? Because now you're not confident. See, David's brothers thought he was arrogant. But no, David was confident. Why? Because he had a relationship with God. He knew he was delivered. He faced opposition before. What? Because he told Saul, what? The bears, the lions that were trying to come and, and attack the sheep. But he was confident. But his brothers thought he was being arrogant. But he wasn't. And see, even when his older brother came and, and he went and he asked him, he said, his brothers called him prideful. So what does David do? He ignores his brother. He turns to other people. And they give him the same answer. Why? Because David recognized who God was. David didn't have to put on a show. That's not what he was trying to do. But he was trying to make sure God gets the glory. Because he recognized who Israel was. And because he recognized who Israel was, he knew Israel can have a victory. But Israel saw they were scared. Because they saw the size of Goliath. But David knew that God would deliver them. Right? So no matter how big the situation is, God will deliver us. That's right. And again, if we're filled, now we're not afraid. Right? We're not afraid of those things. So, alright, so let's keep going. Those who are confident are typically humble people who are aware of their achievements but still choose to be respectable about it. People with arrogance usually have little to no humility and choose to boast about their skills. We see this uh, on these televangelists a lot of times. Right? They brag about what they've seen. They brag about all these things they say that God has done for them. And that's why I said before, that doesn't line up with the Bible because when we see people in the Bible who had encounters with people, they didn't talk about it. They didn't talk about it because there was a difference. And then even Phil mentioned it a couple weeks ago, how Paul, when he got caught up to the third heaven, things that are not even, couldn't utter. Right? But now we have people today they have no problem. They utter it like, like it's nothing. Right? So, that's a caution sign right there. <laughs> All right. Finishing this up. Confident people usually spread positivity to others. They often use their strengths and capability 
They often use their strengths and capabilities to help team members enhance their skill set and performance levels. Many arrogant people typically only use their skills to help themselves. So again, encouraging one another, right? That, that should be a confident person. One who's not, one who's going to be arrogant or maybe even lack self-esteem. And I guess that can still be a form of arrogance, lacking self-esteem, because you're going to do certain things. You're going to keep withhold things from people, right? But that should not be our goal. As a believer, we should want to help one another. Right? We should want to help each other grow. Right? So there's no secret things here. Anyway. Speaking of grow, so the Holy Spirit helps us to grow and mature in the things of God. So we, we are continuously, none of us have ever, you know, we're not fully arrived. Right? But we are continuously growing more and more each day. So, you know, years ago, I used to think, like, man, this is good. I arrived. But the Lord showed me. I had it in <laughs> There was a lot more I had to learn. Right? Yeah. I had to learn a lot more about love, unselfishness, humility. I had to learn more about the word. I had to learn more about how to pray. Right? So there's always things that we're learning constantly. And every day we should be growing, right? Weekly we should be growing. And, and see, and what 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 prevents us from growing a lot of times, we look back when God blessed us before, when we felt the closeness of God, and then we're like, we strive to go back to those things, or even when he's trying to get us to do new things, we don't want to, we don't want to go forward. We want to say, oh, well, this works, because I'm familiar with this, and then, you know, we'll become, I don't know if I said it, I had, I had it in my notes before, but I don't know, we end up becoming like Lot's wife. We end up looking back, Amen. and we get stuck. And God's trying to get us to go forward, and grow, and move, but we keep looking back. And thinking, well, you know what? I was blessed back here. But God's trying to get us to grow. So even with the new believer, you know, when we get saved, like I say, when I first got saved, God's presence was all around me. You know, everything was good. And then all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, but probably about a few weeks later, things went silent. And I'm like, where's he at? But he was trying to get me to grow. He was trying to get me to mature. He, he wasn't trying it wasn't for me to be a baby anymore. Right? So we call babies. We, we, and that's what we do. We hold babies. But no, he's trying to get us to grow. And he's trying to get us to move forward. Show us new things. Do new things with us. Right? And get us closer to him. But we have to be led by the Spirit when we do those things. Right? Because he's, his Holy Spirit is trying to take us by the hand, trying to lead us. But we have to stop getting stuck and looking back at the blessings that we had back here. Yes, we were blessed. We... Well, we're always blessed. But, you know, we have blessings back here, but God's trying to do a new thing. And then we get afraid. But he doesn't want us to be afraid. All right, let's turn to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 10. 
But you have carefully followed my doctrine, man of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So let's break these words down for a minute. Let's go back up to verse 10. So Paul's saying, he's writing to Timothy, and he's saying, look, you have followed my doctrine, right? So we know doctrine is instruction, teaching. And I believe the King James Version, for those that have that, it says, uh, instead of follow, it has fully known. That Greek word actually means Timothy was there, right there. He had firsthand. He had eyesight on Paul when Paul was going through these things. Right? So Paul, Paul is basically telling Timothy, say, look, I'm not giving you fluff. You witnessed these things that I went through. Right? You went through, you, you witnessed the persecutions. So, the persecutions at Lystra, that's where Paul was stoned at. So that means Timothy was there. And guess what? We also know by the scriptures that other disciples were there. Because after he got stoned and said he was left for dead, the disciples surrounded him. Right? Now, I did think about this. I said, okay, he's getting stoned, but nobody's doing anything. They just watched him get stoned. I guess God had a reason. Well, I guess they all would have been stoned. I guess. I don't know. But it made, it made me think when I read that. I'm like, okay, Timothy's there. I know Timothy was timid, you know, but I'm sure all the other disciples there weren't timid, you know, so nobody said anything. <laughs> you know, but just food for thought. Lord didn't give me nothing on that. <laughs> but fully known, followed means he examined him closely. So he's saying, look, also, you, you, you follow me, you examine me closely, my manner of life, my purpose. In other words, that purpose means, that, that's the same word that they used for in the temple where they had to show bread out, right? So he, Paul is saying, look, my whole life was on full display here, Timothy. You witnessed my whole life on full display. You and everybody else saw my whole life. You saw my ups, you saw my downs. You saw when I was hungry. You saw when I was filled. Mm -hmm. And through it all, God delivered him. Amen. Hallelujah. So, all, not only Timothy, but all of us, we have an example, of Paul's example, right? Through the ups and the downs, the good times and the bad times, God's still God, and he will deliver us out of them all. Amen. But we have to hold on. Amen. We give up too fast sometimes. Yes. All right. Purpose. Faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. Perseverance. That means st being steadfast. Not compromising. Going for, not going forward and then backwards. No. Still pressing on. Towards the mark of the what? Higher calling. That's perseverance. And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. You saw me. Everything that I've been through. <laughs> you witnessed it. Persecutions. I talked about the stoning. And remember, every time Paul went to a different city, the religious leaders followed him. The people were receptive to Paul, especially the Gentiles, but here come the religious leaders persecuting him. And remember what I said before, persecution doesn't mean just physical harm. It could be your words. And a lot of times, that's what they did. They stirred the people up. That's persecution. 
afflictions which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium. All right. All right. Let's go down uh, verse 12. Let's look at verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Not maybe, but will. Really? So, it's like, well, wait a minute. We don't, we're not experiencing persecution. Like, well, maybe something might be wrong with our walk. Because here, that word godly means devout, consistently, and committed. It's not, again, going forward and then going backwards. No, constantly. Because, see, when you're living godly, you're going to talk about holiness. And I think I talked about it Wednesday. When you talk about holiness, a lot of people in the church, they want to persecute you, say, oh, it don't take all that. No, you, you, no, 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 no. And pastors, they try to sit me down for that, for talking about holiness. Why? Because they don't want to hold people to uh, uh, the God standard. The God standard. And that word persecution means to flee, to drive away. And that's what they were doing to Paul the Apostle. They were going from city to city following him, trying to get him to go, drive him away, not have an influence on other people. And, 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 the, and the, the real sad part was, <laughs> it wasn't the fact that they, had, they, uh, they didn't want Paul talking about Christ. They were jealous. They, were, they had envy towards Paul. Because the people were listening to him. Remember what I said before. Paul spoke Christ. He either taught Christ, he went through the law, teaching Christ, where Jesus was the Messiah, or he gave his testimony. One or two. That's it. There was no fluff. That's what Paul gave. He gave, showed Jesus was the Messiah, or he gave his testimony. That's it. So when he spoke to the Jews, he went through the law, to showing that Jesus was the way. When he spoke to the, uh, the Gentiles, he gave his testimony. We can't be afraid to give our testimony. That's right. We have to be willing and able to give our testimonies. See, we're going out and we're doing and doing all sorts of things and saying all sorts of things. When all we got to do is give our testimony. I mean, what greater thing can we preach about or teach about besides our testimony? Amen. Right? That's a miracle right there with some of our lives. I know some of your stories. I know mine. <laughs> That's a miracle. So how can we not be willing to give it? And then we wonder why so many people don't give their hearts to the Lord. Because what we we'll call people usually are ripe and ready for the Lord when they hit rock bottom. Yeah. When they hit rock bottom, that's when they want the Lord. But we don't go and we don't share our testimony when they hit rock bottom. We, we give them other things, right? But no, share, share the testimony, right? And it, it is not that we're preaching us, but we're preaching what Christ did in our lives. That's right. Right? We've all been delivered. We've all been set free, right? And, and that's nothing for us to be ashamed about. That's something we should be able to display proudly, what Christ did for our lives, right? That's our autobiography. Right there. See, we read other people's biographies that don't have anything to do with God, but we got to be willing and able to give our own. You know what? Maybe one day we just have a testimony service where we everybody should give testimonies. How they get to the Lord. Amen. Yeah, maybe, maybe, you know what? Yeah, we might do that. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. <laughs>
get to these points. I'll, I'll finish this up today. All right. Uh, point number one. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit will help us to be separate. To be separate. All right. So let's look at Second uh, Corinthians chapter 6. together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness, and what accord has Christ with Belial, or what has a believer with an unbeliever, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols, for you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, I will be their God and they shall be my people, so he's going to dwell in us, how does he dwell in us, by the Holy Spirit, right, all right. So we're to be in the world, but we're not to be what? Of the world. All right? Verse 17. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate. Come out from among them and be separate. The only way we can come out and be separate is through the Holy Spirit. We can't do this out of our flesh. If we do it out of the flesh, it becomes religion. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. This is the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you should be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So, again, how do we come out from among them? By the Holy Spirit. See, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. But yes, and then, like I said, we all have the Holy Spirit inside us, but then comes the baptism and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Alright, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit helps us to be separate. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. And understand that sexual immorality is not just physical. That is also, because I, I believe the King James Version may have uh, fornication. It's also chasing after idols. Verse 4, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also forewarned you and testify, verse 7, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. So uncleanness means excessive living, wastefulness. Right? Remember when I talked about how priests today are teaching the flesh. Get rich. Have this. Have that. These are things that the Bible tells us not to do. Verse 8. Therefore, ah, this, that's why I got this. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit, which is why we don't have to be bound and sin, because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us as believers, born-again believers. So, so, remember, it's not about... Ready, <laughs> I was just going to say, so I have no excuse? No, you don't. <laughs> Ouch. No, you don't. 
And this is why. But the more times we fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the stronger we become. The stronger we become. The stronger our spirit man becomes. I'm going to read verse 8 from the Amplified. 1 Thessalonians 4, 8 from the Amplified. So whoever rejects and disregards this is not merely rejecting man, but the God who gives his spirit to you to dwell in you and empower you to overcome temptation. See, the Holy Spirit empowers us. See, so how do we make excuses all the time that we can't do right, can't live right, right? But we, we, we hear this word empower in churches and we're like, oh yes, I'm empowered by the Lord, I do this. No, you're not empowered if you're not living holy. Plain and simple. You can have all these things in the world, but and still be going to church, still praying. But if you're living in sin, you're not empowered. That's that's true victory right there. Mm -hmm. All right. Point number two. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit allows him to reveal the Bible to us. John 14, 26 says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I said to you. See, many Christians have head knowledge, but no heart knowledge. See, head knowledge, guess what? The unsaved has head knowledge. Demons can have head knowledge. Right? They recognize that God is real. Head knowledge, you can rehearse. In it, but see, heart knowledge causes us not to do certain things. Amen. But head knowledge, we'll keep doing and keep doing. And we can quote all the scriptures we want to. But if it's not in our heart... Doesn't mean a hill of beans. Now, don't get me wrong. We should have head knowledge and heart knowledge together. But we have many people in churches today that just have head knowledge. Right? And we can't do that. So let me give you an example of head knowledge. Uh, Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. No, going back to the scriptures. The Holy Spirit will give us remembrance of certain scriptures we need in our walk. We don't have to, yes, it's good to memorize scriptures, but we don't We don't have to be pressured by it. We have to remember, and I said this before, that when Paul wrote through his letters, it wasn't chapter and verse, but know the word. But even in times, the Holy Spirit, we, we talked about it before, he will bring the word of God to our remembrance when we need it. All right, Acts chapter 19, I'm going to read verse, skip most of this. verse 11. I'll probably just read verse 13. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought to him from his body to the sick. And the diseases left them, and evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over, excuse me, took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. So that's head knowledge right there. Because they're speaking about Jesus, not that they know Jesus, so Jesus is not in their heart, but the Jesus whom Paul preaches. That's head knowledge. Verse 14, I'll read verse 14. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, 
so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Verse 17, this became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on all on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So if you know anything about Ephesus, Ephesus, you had to know your stuff. You had to be real. There was no plane in Ephesus because Ephesus was bound in sorcery and witchcraft and demonic activity. So you had you, you had to walk the walk in Ephesus. You know, and I, I talk to people at the Latino market, those who are, they, they're from El Salvador, and they'll, they'll say, you know, they'll receive Christ in El Salvador, but you better walk the walk. Because if you're talking Christ and you're trying to witness to people and you're not legitimate, they're going to handle it. You, you better be real. See, we don't get a, we get away with certain things in this country, but other countries, no, they're going they're gonna to test you. They're going to see if you're real. See? And, and we have to learn to be real. So you can't sit up here and try to call out no demon like these people if you're not real. Or the same thing's going to happen to you. You don't need to mess with something that you don't have no business messing with. Plain and simple. Alright, uh, point number three. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit helps us to share Jesus. <laughs> John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So, as we walk again, how do we share Jesus? By giving our testimony. By giving our testimony. I was going to say this at this point about the testimony, but I said it earlier. So, but all we have to do is just share our testimony. It's not about knowing this, knowing that, going to this school, going to that school. You know, we have so many Bible colleges in this country, so many seminaries in this country. And think about it. What are they producing? What are they producing? You, you, you know, it's amazing how you can be in a church and the pastor doesn't give you a time of day, but then you go to Bible college or seminary, then you come back and now they want to ordain you. Either you see the calling or you don't. Plain and simple. You don't just go to seminary or Bible college to say, well, I think I want to be a preacher. Like I said that before, nobody, nobody wakes up saying I want to be a preacher. Because it ain't easy. <laughs> it ain't easy. It, you, you, you have to be called. Period. You, you have to, whatever, whatever it is God is calling you to do, you, you have to be called. And then as you call, you're walking. You're walking. And the thing is, it doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight. See, God gave me the vision of this ministry years ago. Years ago. And, it, and people even then told me, go ahead, start it now. No. God said no. And they, they weren't trying to be, you know, they were literally, well, they weren't led by the Spirit. Because the Spirit was telling me, no, not yet. You know, but they were led by their flesh, but they thought they were doing a good thing. Right? What happens is sometimes we know God has called us to certain things, and we just give up on it. God hasn't called us to give up on it, right? Abraham had to wait. David had to wait, right? So it may not happen as fast as you want it to happen, but you can't give up. You have to hold on, plain and simple. You have to hold on, knowing that God has called you, still walk the walk. I mean, not only did David have to wait, David was hunted. So people in their natural mind will see, there's no way, David, you've been called because Saul is king. And he's trying to kill you. But David knew. And see, guess what? Even though Saul did that, he couldn't stop David. Why? Because the anointing was passed upon David. But see, 
God had to allow David to go through those things. Just like I told you years ago, I thought I was ready. God said, no, you're not. See, we think we're ready sometimes for certain things, but we're not. Because guess what? Instead of waiting like Abraham, waiting like David, we'll give up. And that's what happened with a lot of people. Sometimes they get out too soon. And sometimes they just give up on the vision that God has given. No, don't give up on the vision. Staying true to God's word. All right. Point number four, last point, we're in with this. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit allows him to guide us. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit allows him to guide us. John 16, let's turn there. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit allows him to guide us. John 16, verse 13 through 15. The spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So, again, the Holy Spirit, the Lord is going to reveal things to us. Just like our calling, he's going to reveal it to us. But we have to hold on. See, even though, if y'all remember in Acts, and if you don't remember, we're going to get to it in, well, I guess in the coming, coming months, but Paul was surrounded by prophets that bound him and, and, and told him, like, look, these things are going to happen to you. Do not go to Jerusalem. Don't go, because this is going to happen to you. But Paul knew. Paul knew already. Paul was willing to face whatever it was. And see, what they didn't know is the fact that because Paul went and Paul was arrested, guess what? We have the majority of the New Testament today because he wrote it from jail. And remember, through that, we're inspired today because this brother wrote from jail. But in, in uh, Acts um, 20, Paul said this, Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. We have to hold on. We have to realize. See, it may not look like it's coming to pass in the natural, but we have to stand fast. And again, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it becomes that much easier. Easier. I'm about to say Israel. Easier to hold on. Right? It becomes that much easier. But we have to be filled. Right? So, now this, this, this is a true story. There was a pastor who was a church. He, he's a pastor now, but... Uh, he was serving in the church, wasn't even, wasn't even one of the, uh, he was a sister minister, but you had elders and all that that was above him. And the Lord spoke to him one day, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to him and said, you're going to be the pastor of this church. And he said, no, the pastor, pastor's not going anywhere. So, now the pastor and his wife were there. Now, three years later, <laughs> he, said, he said the pastor decided, him and his wife, they were going to step down. Right? So, they started, they asked Everybody else, all the elders, they were married, and uh, they kept turning it down, turning it down. No, no, no. And the pastor's like, well, I guess it's just him. Let me ask him. But here's the thing. He wasn't married. He was single. And that was another thing he thought would be go against him, the fact that he wasn't married. So the pastor came to him and said, hey, you know, we're going to step down. We're going to retire. You know, would you like to? He said, oh, well, let me pray about it. No, I got it. Why? Because he knew already. The Lord had told him years before that. But what would have happened if he gave up, even though everything looked like it wasn't going to happen in the natural? 
even though it looked like he wasn't qualified to what man was man thought he should be because he wasn't married, he was single. What would have happened if he would have gave up and left and went somewhere else? Then would he where would he be? It's possible he could have been in a backslidden state. Because when you're not in the will of God, things happen. So that's why it's important for us to stay filled, stay in his presence, stay connected to him. And see, as he as we stay connected to him, guess what? Now we can stay connected to each other. Right? And it's like I said, even when we need a word, sometimes we may need a word. Right? And guess what? I would ask God, Lord, I need a word. And sometimes he would give it to me. Sometimes he would give it to somebody else. Now, in my younger walk, I would always expect it to come from somebody else. But now, it comes through just through confirmation through somebody else because he's spoken it to me. That's, that's maturity. Right? And again, the fruit of the Spirit, that's maturity. That doesn't happen overnight. The fruit has to be bared. Right? Now, with that being said, for even a new believer, there should be some semblance of the fruit there. Right? You may not be mature in your walk, but there should be some semblance of all that. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, you know. But this is a marathon that we're in. And the only way we can get through this marathon is by being filled. And that's why so many Christians are struggling, because they're not filled. So many Christians are concerned about certain things. You know, we need to go. And, and let me tell you something. And being filled... With the, with the Holy Spirit and I'll walk with the Lord. It, it's going to be a lonely walk. It's going to be a lonely walk. That's what we have to come to grips with. Right? Yes, we come together, we fellowship, but guess what? As we grow and go into our private times, we're going to be by ourselves. Right? People are not going to be with us all the time. So, we have to learn to be alone sometimes. And really, we're not alone, like I said before. We have the Holy Spirit there. Right? The two or three gathered. I said it's before. We make one, Holy Spirit makes two. Right? But many Christians don't want to be alone. But in order to, for us to get to where God wants us to, you know, Jesus had a disciple, but guess what? He will go off by himself and pray. We forget about that. We, 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 we always talk about. You know, yeah, he had his disciples around him, and then he had all these other hundreds of disciples around him. But what did he do? He would leave and go into a private time, private area, and pray. That's what we have to do. We have to pray. And that's the only way we could finish this walk out, especially in this world. I told you, it's not going to get any better. It, it, it's not. The United States is not seeing no revival. I can tell you that now. <laughs> it's not going to see any revival. So, we have to be revived ourselves. And as we're, we're revived, guess what? Now we can bring our revival to other people. Right? We can share our, our joy with other people. And like I said, those who are hit rock bottom, they're ready to receive Christ. And guess what? We probably walk by these people all the time. And we just keep, keep it moving. And we have something to give them. But yet, we don't say anything. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads.